In the Pits is sponsored by Hustletown Paintball. Hustletown is a brand by Jason Tinsley of Houston that is all about representing Houston paintball and highlighting its local talent. Head to hustletownpaintball.net to browse their selection of casual wear and use code PIT10 for 10% off of your order. In the Pits is partnered with Compete. Compete is a Texas-based brand by Jell Stewart of professional team AC Diesel that provides custom jerseys, pants, headbands, straps, tech shirts, and any other soft goods to help individuals and teams compete at the highest level. Support Texas Paintball and message Compete on Facebook or Instagram and mention In the Pits podcast for 10% off your entire order. In the Pits is sponsored by FU Athletics, created with a purpose and focused on building a better you. We are a brand that matters in your workout, and every purchase gives back to cancer research. Go to thefuathletics.com and use code INTHEPITS25 for 25% off of your order. In the Pits is partnered with Get That Shot. Get That Shot now offers first-in-line photo and video editing, 20% off Get That Shot merch, and 20% off prints to all teams that wear the Get That Shot logo on their jersey. Message get that underscore shot on Facebook or Instagram to become a get that shot program team. In the Pits is partnered with Paintball Kumite. Paintball Kumite is a program designed by Colt Roberts of professional team San Antonio X Factor to take paintball players of all ages, experience levels, and skill groups and mold them into champions. The program breaks the game down into small, easy to learn sessions designed to help you master the fundamentals so that you can elevate your game. Newcomers to the program get a free one-hour introductory class when mentioning In the Pits. To sign up for a class, message at paintballkumite on Instagram. Welcome everyone to episode 43 of In the Pits Paintball Podcast. This podcast is focused on everything that has to do with the paintball scene here in Texas, from professional players and teams to new divisional programs, local tournament series, field owners, Texas-based brands, even photographers and videographers. Every week, we'll have a short and sweet episode with a new topic and a new special guest. I'm Christian Smith. I'm a player for the Texas Titans, and this episode, we are going in the pits with Ben Challenger, player for Los Angeles Infamous. Ben, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. Thanks for asking. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you on the show uh you very recently had a, a gold medal added to your trophy case so excited to talk about that excited to uh you know look forward to this next nxl event uh be a home field advantage for you yeah yeah it'd be cool to be playing uh, an nxl in texas and have texas be my home state so i'm looking forward to it it'll be sick oh yeah and this one's a major this time it's not one of those minor events that they were doing the last couple of years yeah Definitely looking forward to it. I actually missed out on the last, uh, I guess, minor that was at Giant. Uh, at the time, I was I was injured, so I just was watching a bunch of paintball that weekend. So I'm I'm really stoked to finally be playing a Texas event and actually have it be my home state event. You know, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was injured for that one last year as well. I was going through some pretty severe back issues, but shame too because that layout looked uh, interesting to say the least. I wonder if they're going to do something like that again this year. I know it's historic, dude. Like a a mirror, like a true mirrored layout. It was pretty unique, mm, for sure. So uh, let's let's get into it, Ben. So for those listening that maybe don't know so much about you personally, how long have you been involved in the Texas paintball scene specifically? Uh, I moved to Texas in uh, 2020, so going on to my third year. 
Oh, gotcha. So not too long. So how about before then? How long you've been involved in tournament paintball as a whole? Um, I think it's, I think my first tournament, I was something like 11. Uh, I've been playing since I was 10. Uh, but I, I had like an entire paintball career in Canada and we didn't have APPA. So I played like all the way up until like semi-pro pro in Canada. So it's like a different level <laughs> than the U S but, um, and then over the last, uh, you know, like, I guess I started playing in the U S uh, competitively in 2011. So like 12 years in the, or like in the PSP MPPL NXL scene. Interesting. I didn't know that Canada had their own like separate league, separate system completely away from APPA slash PB leagues. It's, is it like kind of similar level or what, how would you describe it as far as skill level goes? Well, luckily they got with the times and now I do believe that they use APPA for the, uh, the OPL, which is, mm. I think like the main series up in Canada. Derek Waltz runs that does a great job. Um, there's a, but prior to that, uh, it was just the CXBL, which was the league that we would play in. And it was funny because like the top level was called like CXBL or elite. And then there was MXL, which is like semi-pro. And then there was RXL, which is like D2. And then there's like, you know, uh, it was called like CX4, which was like pretty much like beginner, like getting people into it. But when I say like semi-pro, I mean like it was just the level below pro in Canada. It wasn't actually that high, right? Like I, th I think it pro like pro in Canada was probably like D2. But the thing that would happen is because it was pro, it would invite pro teams from the States to come up or pro players from the States to come up. And so that was where like, I don't know, ultimately I think that that ended up kind of like kind of messing up Canadian paintball because um, the teams were just too good. Like, at one point, like, all of Aftershock came up and, like, were playing against, like, my local friends. <laughs> 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 like, so it's, like, pretty, like, you know, interesting things there. At, at one point, like, Heat and Vicious were playing and, like, so basically the only chance you had at winning a pro tournament in Canada is if you're, the majority of your roster was pro. Um, but the actual, like, skill level of Canadian players was like in that level or in that division was like semi-pro D2. Interesting. Sorry, yeah. I know that's a convoluted answer. Sorry. Like, no, it's, it was just weird because there wasn't APPA. So it wasn't just like, Oh, here's the points. So it was like, <laughs> right. It's a weird system. I mean, I was actually going to ask if you had like a lot of the Canadian pro players, like the, the impact guys uh, frequent that event at all. But man, if you got so, heat aftershock, like some of these huge team names driving up or flying up for that one. Like, and then they're, I'm just imagining them compete against teams. Like, I don't know, a D2 reference, the, like shut up. We're trying for example. And everybody's shooting 15 balls a second. So, mm. and, and on top of that, Canadian paintball was two 25 minute halves. So you have a 50 minute match. <laughs> like rosters had like 15 people like per side. And like, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. And I remember there's no mercy rule back in those days. So I bet the scores got run up pretty good. Yeah. And there was like, cause like, you know, there'd have, there'd be like these teams that are pro and these teams that like shouldn't really even be in that division. And because there was no mercy rule, man, I remember watching a team get beat 22 to nothing. Oh man, those are some Russian Legion numbers. Bro, the points were so fast and like 
people were merciless with like 15 BPS. Like if you got shot like 10 times, you got off easy. <laughs> like, it was like, oh man, that guy was nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like a second, just one Mississippi, that guy's pink. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm grateful that uh, we definitely have a more structured system down here in Texas. Anyway, if you anyway. Ever wanted to play 15, though, you should go to Australia because they're still doing it. If I ever get out there, we'll see. Uh, I definitely want to do some traveling eventually. So, um, Ben, with all that said, like you know, playing in Canada and then eventually making your way to the U.S., what are some of the team names that you've played for over the years? Um, man, okay, I'll, over the last like. Uh, I'll, I'll say like I guess like four or five years because like prior to that it would just be like just really really long laundry list and like uh you know I almost like kind of like restarted my career at a certain point um after going pro mm-hmm. um so uh trade my gun outlaws uh DMG uh I played for Just Us for a little bit um and then after DMG, uh, it was Diesel for three years, and now I'm playing with Infamous. But prior to that, it was, like, a whole bunch of different semi-pro teams, D2 teams, like, a bunch of different team names in Canada because I had, like, a whole paintball career there. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like just, like, highlighting that last little, like, chunk of my career is, like, more relevant to people. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember DMG or, you know. Right. Yeah. I wanted to highlight some of the team names, especially like when I was trying to do some research, I saw like on your PB leagues profile, you've been on several teams that seem to be based in a lot of different areas. So, uh, later on, as we get through the show, I definitely want to highlight like what that's like as far as having to travel to play. That's fair. Like, yeah, like I played for, uh, the jesters at one point, that was like one of my first teams that I played for in the U S um, I played out of uh, CFP for a while for one of their divisional teams, uh, Below Static. And then I played for a team called Rack City Clutch. Um, a bunch of great players came out of there and are playing pro right now from that team. Um, and then over on the West Coast uh, in SoCal, I played for... Um, oh, wait, in Florida, I also played for Miami Rage. But in SoCal, I played for LA Collision. And then in Northern California, I played for DMG. So that's kind of like, you know, the coasts and then coming in. Uh, did I ever? I played for Michigan 810 at one point. Um, so there's like, I guess, a team from the Midwest as well. So almost every like major region of. Sorry, my uh, my notifications for Facebook are going off. Um, You're good. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, almost every major region in uh, the U.S. or maybe every major region for paintball in the U.S. Yeah, it sounds like you've definitely uh, gotten some experience getting to travel, see like what all the different regions were like. Uh, one, um, curious, and I'll ask you in a little bit, just like what you uh, thought as far as like comparing the different regions. So, uh, I mean, you had this big career in Canada, but what was it that got you into paintball in the first place? It's actually kind of funny, and I, I think about this a lot because, like, you know, it's been a gnarly like seventeen-year-old journey. But it was a satire about paintball called Blackballed, the Bobby Duke story. And this was a movie that me and my friends watched at like 10 years old. And we kind of like, it kind of like went over our heads that like, you know, they're making fun of paintball. We were like kids, right? So um, we watched this and we're like, this is kind of awesome. Like we should go like 
play and like start our own team and stuff like that. And uh, so then we went and we played. My friends were super into it, and I wasn't really like too into it um, at first, but I kind of just kept going because all my friends were really into it. And then like you know the rabbit hole goes on. <laughs> like I just got more and more hooked, and then eventually like you know we're playing tournaments. We're like three four years in, and we rewatch it. And my friends and I, like, realize, like, they're totally, like, making fun of paintball and tournament paintball. And um, <laughs> my friends are like, yeah, I'm out. Like, you know, I'm, I'm done. And I was like, nope, I'm in too deep already. Got to go all the way. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am 17 years later because of a fucking stupid movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at this movie right now. Let's see. Uh, the description on Amazon is caught cheating and banned for 10 years. Paintball's first superstar, Bobby Dukes is back to prove himself on the field that made him famous. I love it. Yeah. So in the, in the, in the satire, like cheating's like super taboo. And he like did it in the finals and got caught and then like went on like a 10 year hiatus and then came back to the game. I love it. I'm going to have to check this out. Something tells me it's it's not going to be quite like uh, BKIT, but... Oh, no, definitely not, dude. Love it. So, All right. So... Um, you got some good laughs, I think. Sweet. Uh, I'll definitely add it. I might make a drinking game out of it. That'll be even better. Yeah, way better. <laughs> Awesome. So this next question is brought to us by Hustletown Paintball. Head to hustletownpaintball.net and use code PIT10 for 10% off of your order. So uh, throughout your, you know, your 17 years of playing tournaments um, and <laughs> excuse me, uh, what are some things that you've noticed that have changed in the paintball scene as a whole? And then also like within the regions that you've spent a lot of time in, like especially Texas. So either for better or for worse, what are some things that you've noticed have changed over time? Um, man, like, you know, when I started playing just the form, the formats over time have just changed a lot, right? Like, uh, when I started playing, there was sideline coaching and like, you know, two, like two halves to a game, the rate of fire was way higher. Now it's like slower rate of fire, no sideline coaching, tighter, like tighter matches. So there's like less room for error. Um, you have to be more accurate. You also have to be smarter and work together more than you used to because, like, I could just be some preteen in the snake and have my coach yelling on the side, like, just straight up joysticking me for, like, what I had to do. And now I'm like, okay, I have to actually think about it, right? I have to, like, be like, okay, what's the kill count? Where's my widest body? What can I actually do, right? Like, there's more, like, thought process going on versus, like, before where it was, like, I could, I didn't even have to think. Like, somebody would just be yelling, like, okay, pop up right now, shoot this guy right here. It's like easy, you know? And now it's like, okay, I have to be like smart enough to know that like when I get to the spot, as long as there's not paint here, I can look out and I might be able to shoot this guy, right? Like I got to know my shot progression. Like, yeah, I just feel like the skill level overall has gone up tremendously because of the way that the format's changed, right? Like with, when you shoot 15 balls a second, you can snap out and come back in and like nine paintballs will come out of your gun. You know, like, it's it's crazy. But, nat like, if you're shooting 10, maybe two or three come out, right? And you got to make sure they're on point. So if you're not if you're not accurate, like, you know, there's just more of an emphasis on accuracy and overall, like, I don't know, wherewithal to play. Does, mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know as far as, like, the sideline coaching stuff, that's something that Nathan Roberts mentioned whenever he was on the show was that a big – uh, part of AC Dallas's game as they were climbing up uh, through D1 and then eventually like 
right before they made pro was a big part of Nathan Roberts game was just getting joystick by Greg Pauly on the sideline. And then as soon as they make pro sideline coaching goes away. And he said that affected his game quite a lot, not only like as a new pro player, but also as one of the youngest, if not the youngest pro player at the time. Uh, So just seeing that, I know a lot of players had to adapt. uh, And then on top of that, like, going from 12 well 15 to 12 and then 12 to 10 5 uh it's much more of like it's much less of a game of just raw gunfighting there's there's a lot more of a movement aspect it seems like nowadays and i don't know if that's just because of the fire rate or if it's also because of the bunker set um but there's it's it seems to be like there's more uh ways to win now versus just hey i'm gonna shoot 15 and then win my gunfight and then win the game off of that it seems like there's there's more avenues in the past i feel like it was like raw aggression and like you know as the future has gone on it's just like oh there's so much strategy you know like i mean at least with x-ball right it was like you just had to ram it down their throat and like in modern paintball i mean shit dude like i i lost a game recently that was one nothing an entire match one one nothing yeah, we. That's not the first that that's happened. I mean, that happened a cup as well between X Factor and Houston Heat. Like it went the distance in regulation, and then uh, like with less than a minute to go in overtime, they scored the point. Bro, it's oh. fucking lame. That's like being watching a like UFC fight, and only one punch gets thrown the entire time. Yeah, it's like a like a Floyd Mayweather like, fight. Like, I don't know, like you know. Obviously, I'm on the bad end of it, so I'm like, yeah, it fucking sucks. If we won the one-point game, I'd maybe be like, yeah, you know, it's tight. You got to hunker in. Like, fuck, I don't know. No, I hear that, but, like, at the same time, my mentality is like, well, you could have toweled it, like, eight minutes sooner, and then you played more paintball. Like, you have an equal contribution to that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I don't have much, much to say about that one. No, I hear I hear you there. Uh, real quick in the chat, we got some love uh, coming from Sanchito Papacito. I'm pretty sure that's uh, Alex Agosto from TKO. Uh, we got Chris Harrison in the chat. We got Chris Isaacs and Don Jose Jalapeno saying hi. Uh, so this, um, what I want to ask you more about, like you've you've noticed these changes and you've played in so many different regions. Um, within the u.s and then also canada so what are some of the things that you've noticed that are different between the regions as far as let's say like level of play or like even the play style of different teams or like the overall like health of the scenes in general from the different regions Hmm. okay it's a big question so i'll try and like dissect it a little bit Hmm. so like there there is like a obviously a difference in like play style region to region but like what's also really interesting is like there's a lot of teams that go to tournaments and they're not even playing the layout correctly right and really what you end up seeing is like even across all these different like i don't know pockets of the u.s and different scenes the teams that are constantly like in the finals like have the correct paintball like theory and like game knowledge to like constantly be there and be breaking down the layouts to constantly be ending up like at the top um so there was like a lot of man i played for a bunch of canadian teams where i was like 
we just didn't play the layout correctly, you know, like, or, or like at all, you know, like, so that, that had a huge effect on like, I don't know, just over overall performance, but like, you don't know that you're not playing it correctly if you don't play people who are like better than you. Right. So if you're like at the top of the scene and you're like, well, this is how it should be. Right. Nobody tests you. Nobody goes or like does something against you where you're like, holy shit, maybe we should do it this way. Right. You're just like, this is how it is. Whereas, like, you know, in the U.S., like, especially what I noticed in, in Northern California was the, the entire time I played semi-pro or, like, divisional over there for DMG, we were playing against Impact when they were the best. Like, they had, like, Keith Brown, Rainey, Mouse, J-Rab, like, like, all the Canadians, super fucking nasty team. And their ability to just, like, break down the layout was crazy. And, and a big thing I learned out there was that, like, the only way you could even like remotely stand a chance at practice was that you had to play like a pro team. Like you had to have that level of teamwork. Otherwise you were just fucked. So um, basically what I'm saying is like region to region, it varies based on play style, overall knowledge, right? So Texas uh, being one of the places where there's been like some of the best paintballs in the paintball players in the world come from here like the overall like trickle down of that is that like the paintball iq is just high mm-hmm. you know like it it's high and it's a super competitive environment like city to city doesn't matter if you go to houston or san antonio or dallas like everybody's there they want a ball they want to win and they have like good paintball iq honestly and i feel like that that just comes from like you know, the amount of like high level players that are there and just that trickle down effect, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. I mean, there's four pro teams out of Texas right now. There you got X factor diesel, Houston heat and Austin notorious. So I mean, you can kind of count us. Uh, and Infamous. yeah, infamous has several players based in Texas. I mean, Mike Arena is based yeah, in our, Houston our, as well. Um, yeah, our fields out of giant. So so, I mean, I kind of a Texas team. I kind, of. kind of. I mean, when it becomes, <laughs> if if you change your name to Denton Infamous, then maybe you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny yeah. to see Los Angeles Infamous because nobody's from. I don't. We have one guy from Northern California. That's is that Thomas Taylor. He was in Oregon. It's uh, Tim Russellback. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, sounds like. You know, if you want to make it five Texas pro teams, then what? What? What's <laughs> the price that you got to pay? Is it what ten k to the league? Something oh like yeah, that? Change, I think it's five. The five, okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, a you just sell a couple more cases of paint in the background right there. You'll get that in no time. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, yeah, uh, even uh, Alex in the chat is saying Texas Infamous has a nice ring to it. I know that. Um, Actually, Alex Martinez said on the, I think it was in the Play of the Game podcast not too long ago, um, that when they were originally coming up with the team name X Factor, like they put it up to a vote and like one of like the, the final candidates they were voting between was like X Factor, Infamous, and then something else. But like we almost had Infamous in San Antonio. That's crazy to think. Wild. Yeah. So I... I mean, with all the differences that you've noticed between all of the scenes, and it's great to hear that Texas is like really healthy, really strong. We've just got solid player base from the top down. But even then, what's something that you think that 
Texas as a scene could learn from any of the other regions? Hmm. That's that's a really interesting question, especially because like I really feel like Texas like, Texas is like the mecca of paintball in the in the world. Like hmm. I mean, people can argue it being like in California and such, but like current day, I really feel like it is here. Um, you know, oh, man, things that they could learn from other other regions. Uh, it, it's tough to say. I think maybe one thing I would give Texas like. I don't know how I necessarily feel about this, but there's so many great players in lower divisions in Texas. Like, there's so many people who are playing D4 who, like, could play a much higher level, right? Like, honestly, there's some people I've seen in D4 where I'm like, that guy could probably play semi-pro. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's, like, that's a... That's an interesting thing to say, right? To look at the like one of the lowest divisions and be like, yeah, there's a guy there who could like, you know, <laughs> he can do this, right? Like, so I I think something that would be really interesting to see for Texas is just like more of those people like to climb out of those ranks and like actually like pursue a higher level. I don't really understand fully why they don't. Maybe you know, maybe it's just because of like costs and stuff, and they can play so many divisional tournaments in D four. Like, in Texas, I think you can play, like, God, it's got to be, like, 10 or 13, 10 to 15 tournaments without leaving your state right. in D4, right? Like, so there's another reason why our D4 teams are so good is because, like, in a season, they could play three times as much as the other D4 teams from around the U.S., right? That's another reason why I feel like we're really thriving but I think something that would be really beneficial is just kind of like figuring out a way to kind of bridge that gap of like all these teams in D4 to like, you know, um, D2 semi-pro, right? Like we, there's a bunch of semi-pro teams in Texas, right? Like we've seen it time and time again, but like there's not, there's like maybe one D2 team that I can think of in, in Texas, period. Like, and I think that's shut up, we're trying. Yep. You know, like I, I really drawn a blank otherwise um and that's one team which is kind of weird right because then like now we go back a little bit more like yeah sure titans are playing d3 but then and who else like what other teams is there like other lines from other organizations like i don't know i just feel like there's a really big gap there's like all these teams in d4 right and there's so many players and teams here that could like eventually like climb up and do it but they're not Right, because they're like happy playing D four, and I don't know. To me, it's a little weird because like I like climbed out of another country to like go and play the highest level, and I like want to play against the best people, but like I maybe not everybody has that. Maybe you know. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah, yeah. dilemma. That, that's that one Texas thing that, that's like my knock on Texas paintball. Like <laughs> they got yeah. so many good players. That's their that's their problem. <laughs> Yeah, it's like there's so many good players and where else do we put them? So we put them all in D4, which until like two or three years ago was like the intro X-Ball division. D5 wasn't X-Ball until they introduced it in like 2019 or 2020. So now like you've got this division, which originally was like, hey, you, you're learning how to play the format of yeah, X-Ball. Really? It's essentially, yeah. Beginner level. And like there's people playing d4 who've been playing paintball for a decade and they're mm-hmm. they're good <laughs> like and so shoot just look at what happened in usxbl 
this, uh, what, two weeks ago. Yeah, freaking Tyler Spies, former pro player for AC Dallas, comes back and uh, he's like, does his time in uh, PB League's purgatory, gets deranked to like 15 points below the cutoff, and then, I mean, look what happened. They They have him. They've got guys that, like, multiple former D3 players, and they just smoke everybody. So... Like D4, for whatever reason in Texas, seems to be a bottleneck where it's like, it's just like there's top level, like even within D4, like I'd say, like, for example, if you look at the last couple of years in USXPL, uh, if you take the top probably eight to 10 teams in D4 USXBL, those teams could probably play like D3, D2, and like make. Sunday and yeah. possibly make a run on Sunday in NXL and regularly you see that happen. Like hell, look at what Tribe did last year. They almost ran the table at NXL in D4 last year. Yeah. Look it's at what happened like, with yeah, Shut Up or Trying. Same thing. This for like almost 5 years, like since Paintball fit, then after Paintball fit, you had Shut Up or Trying, then you had Tribe. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, these are just, like, and those are, like, the lower division, like, D4 guys, like, winning the series. I mean, there's Coalition. So, like, yeah, there, that, that's, like, another thing to be said is, like, our our local leagues are so fucking competitive, you know? And that that's, like, really something that gives Texas paintball players a leg up. It might seem like a pain in the ass because, you know, you're competing locally and it's, like, really grueling. Mm. But that's also, like, one of the reasons that there's, like, five pro teams out of this, like, state, you know? Oh yeah. So, and then like take the most recent example, Austin Notorious. They're uh, a team that what they they finally made the jump out of D four and D three like three years ago. What happens when they make the jump into D two on XL? They win the series that year. Yeah. The next year, they win the semi pro series and win the pro spot in their first year in semi pro after like right. spending ten years or something like that playing D four D three. It's yeah. unreal, like how much of like a hyperbolic time chamber D four in Texas is. It's un- it's insane. Man, well, yeah. I mean, you're playing in an oven, and on top of that, on a single day, I swear, in the USXBL, I've seen teams play like, oh man, it's got to be between like six and eight matches in a day. Mm. It's it's crazy. So like, you play six to eight matches in one day. When you go play a national tournament, and you play four matches. Pff, you're fresh. <laughs> like, yeah, I remember like at at this past cup because of the hurricane when they had to condense it down to three days. Um, so in the in D four at cup there were ninety five teams. So they made us play three games in prelims on Friday, the last prelim game Saturday morning, and then three playoff games on Saturday. And then quarter semis and finals on Sunday. So it went three games, four games, three games. And teams that weren't from Texas were dying out there when it came that third or fourth game. And meanwhile, like the Titans, we made a run. We we ended up getting fourth place at Cup out of 95. And like we were good to go. Even even after we played that fourth game on Saturday, we we're like, all right. Let's let's play our fifth one. Let's go. You know, let's just win. Let's just play the whole tournament right now. You know, we yeah. we were going to be good to go the whole day. We felt like. And so I think that that's also like an advantage, right? Like between like you know the competitive nature of the people in Texas, 
the weather being super hot, you're basically in an oven. And then, you know, on top of all that, you're playing all day. You're playing more matches than you would. You, you, in a single day, you would play as many matches as you would at the whole event at an NXL. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and just kind of getting back to the original question, which is what, what can Texas learn from the other regions? And you said, like, kind of, you know, I guess filtering back out those top-level players because they can go and win D3. Let's be let's be real here. Those teams that are playing D four that have been for a while, like um, I mean, there's a lot of organizations, and I'll, there are several that did make the jump to D three this year, either through NXL, through the new uh, Bunker Fest series. They started playing D three, like the Texas Titans jumped to D three. Uh, Greed has two lines; they have Greed and Avarice in D three. Tribes in D three now. Um, these teams are are actually making the jump, and look what happened. Like Avarice was in the finals at the first Bunker Fest event. Um, I hear you, and you know, I'm just trying to get back to your question. Like after really like ruminating on it, I feel like maybe I was looking at it wrong. Like I was being like, oh, well, the players, but really, I think maybe where Texas could learn something from the other regions, and it, it's kind of it seems a little weird, right? So. Other regions, because they're a little bit smaller, they kind of just have, like, one tournament league. Except for, like, the WCPPL, which is massive. That's, like, the West Coast league, right? And it's unified. It's one big league, and everybody plays in it. Whereas in Texas, we have three big leagues, or, like, semi-big leagues, right? We got the XTPL, Mm. we got the USXBL, and then we got uh, BunkerFest that's just come up. And I feel like if we could kind of have some sort of, like, morphing or, like, you know, working together of all those three leagues, maybe that would be something that we could take out of other leagues or, like, out of the other regions, like, book, something that I think that they're doing well. I think that it would be really cool to see paintball get to the point where it's, like, got the West Coast Conference, we got Central Conference, and we got the Southern Conference, and then maybe, like, Eastern you know, or like Southern Eastern Central. Right. I, I hear you there. And I think that honestly with like the, the reality was that until recently, like with Bunkerfest having such a large cap on teams that can sign up, like none of the tournament series in Texas were honestly like big enough to be able to host all of the teams that are in Texas. Like, if you look at the sign-up limits for USXBL the last couple of years, they capped it at 20 teams in Division 4. Or, twenty, you know, 20 teams or 16 teams or 24 teams. Like, none of that's big enough. We need, f- like, 40 team sign-ups, 50 team sign-ups. Look at, look at what, you know, WC has. They've got, like, a 50-team or a 60-team Division 4. They've got 30 teams in D3. Like, it's, in, it's insane how many teams that they have signed up. But that's, like, truthfully there needs to be that room. Like we can't be, you know, having a race when like, for example, USXBL, I think just opened up registration for the second event. I know the last couple of years, it's been like, Hey, you better be ready. As soon as that drops, you got to get paid. Otherwise you're going to get locked out of D4. Like if we have the bigger, um, the bigger divisions, then I think once we actually have room for all of those teams, then we're not going to see like, oh, we're going to have to just like decide ahead of time. Are we going to play USXBL or are we going to go play Bunkerfest or are we going to go play XTPL or are we going to play HTPS? 
Um, and, and maybe the bigger bigger um, divisions would actually like make people want to play up. You know, hmm. maybe that would make them want to go to D three and D two and and go the distance, right? Versus like just doing their thing in in D four. For sure. I mean, look, that's exactly the reasoning that um, Alex Martinez, when he was talking about X factors coming up, that like he said, X factor, they won division three and then they skipped D2 to go right to D1. And he said that there was a big bottleneck in D2. There was just so many teams. And so he skipped it, went to D1 and won. So uh, I think, you know, we have we have those bigger avenues and more importantly like those higher divisions for those teams to jump to uh locally without like hey you're d2 sorry you're only playing national events now now that we have more of that avenue for the higher divisions i think uh over the next couple of years because i know change is slow um but as it gets more and more established i think you we are going to see more and more uh teams locally um like making that commitment and like I, th- I think a realistic goal, uh, and I'm just talking for Bunkerfest because this is the uh, series that the Texas Titans are playing in this year, at least for the full series. Like we're also doing the X Factor USXBLs, um, and then of course we're doing the uh, NXL event in two weeks. But I think a realistic goal. Now this is a like it's it's going to take some work, but I think it can be done. Is that we see Bunkerfest where it has, I think, let's see, looking at the division limits. So there's 40 teams limit for D4, 14 teams for D3, and 10 teams for Premier. I think we can fill all of that up with just Texas teams within the next three to five years. I mean, I, I, I don't see why not. You know, there's, there's enough players. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, there's even teams that aren't they're like pretty notable names in Texas that are not signed up for this event that I think could be, for example, like not and I don't want to like call anybody out or anything. Call them out. <laughs> like like it's 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 something like if we consolidated all of the Texas teams, like I'm not gonna get into like, oh, you know, naming and shaming anyone for not signing up for this series. Um but if we did have that consolidation of all of these bigger like more well-known Texas teams then like, Hey, you're going to see like, this is truly the best of the best in the country. I mean, look at teams that are flying into play bunker fest, for example, um, in D three, you had Carolina clutch who they just took fourth place at, I want to say sunshine. They got fourth place in and then they come and play bunker fest and they don't make it out of prelims. You know, they got yep, blind layouts, man. They're hard. Yeah. You know. yeah so uh, Texas is uh, definitely much more competitive. I think other other uh, states are coming in and they're they're finding out the hard way for sure. For sure. All right. So uh, continuing on with like your background and your history, like you said, you made your pro debut with the Trade My Gun Outlaws back in 2017. And then... After that season, you 
uh, you took a step back from the pro bracket and you played mostly with the Sacramento DMG camp before returning to pro with Diesel, who uh, they earned their pro spot by winning semi-pro in 2019. And they played their first pro event in Vegas of 2020 before the COVID shutdown happened. So uh, what was the reason for like taking that step back after that initial jump to pro? Um, so I went up to pro from playing, I played semi-pro for a while, but I played in the Trade My Gun Outlaws, like, organization because I was trying to work my way up to their pro team. So I started, um, for their D2 team, and midway through the season, um, I had an opportunity to move up. So Atlantic City Open 2017, played my first event with the team. Um, I'm, I'm playing in pro, I'm in, I'm in these matches and such, but... We're not really like winning. We're kind of getting our shit kicked in. Um, we're not really a good team. Um, and so I get this opportunity to step back and play semi-pro with SD Aftermath. And this would mean instead of me driving 10 hours one way in a car to Fort Wayne, Indiana, I can get on a four-hour flight and fly to California everything's covered on top of that i'm gonna get to practice dynasty and other great teams at the time mike hinman owned um apx so kind of have access to an unlimited paint supply um and yeah so i went i was like fuck it i'm i'm doing this right and uh i really did not have what it take took to uh make it in that organization you know um mike is like a, a very very generous and supportive person. Like I have a lot of like uh, respect for him. You know, he's done a lot for a lot of people. Um, I just had a really hard time playing in that environment and performing well. Um, so I got cut a week before Vegas in 2018, and this was probably one of the most tumultuous seasons for me within my entire career because I went from playing D2 or Pro at Cup to being like. D2 at Vegas. I ended up winning with the CP Raiders. Um, but I'm not living in California. I'm still living in Ontario. So after that event, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I'm like, maybe I'm going to retire. I don't, I don't really know. You know, like, did the pro thing. I, like, I got a national win. Like, that's cool. But, like, deep down, like, part of me, like, still wanted to play. I still love the game regardless of all that shit that had happened. So, um, I was like, you know what, fuck it, like, I'm gonna try and, like, make a run at, like, building a pro team with my local friends. So we play, like, uh, this event in Dallas, and th this is, like, an event, this is kind of, like, an interesting turning point, too, because, like, I wasn't even gonna play Dallas, and then it was on my birthday, and my friends were like, yo, we'll pay for all your entry, your hotel, everything, just play with the team. And we didn't have to pay for, like, a flight, because we drove, and when we drove down, we ended up bringing a whole bunch of paint back. So I had, I had a blast. It was like a super fun, um, it was like my tw like 22nd birthday or something. And like, it was just like a, a blast and got me in it. And so with those guys, I was like, fuck it. Let, like, let's make a run at it. Let's like try and like build an, a pro team from Ontario, Canada. And so that, that team was called Just Us. And so we enter the next event um, in semi-pro and we lose every game. But... We pitted for a whole bunch of different teams, and we end up leaving the event with, like, 80 cases of five-star, right? We, we got last place at this event. We get home. 
four or five days roll by. It's Friday. I'm like, all right, we have free paint. Let's go. Let's practice. We suck. We need to get better. Nobody showed up. I didn't sleep for like 48 hours. I was like fucked up about it, right? Because I was like, how the fuck are you going to build a pro team from Ontario when you literally have all this fucking free paint and you won't even show up? Like, you suck. Like, you need to get better, right? And you won't, you won't even show up? I was like, I don't know. It just kind of like fucked with me, right? I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I probably am not doing this here, right? Like, if I'm going to... I'm gonna actually be like a legit pro one day. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm building a pro team from Ontario. Like, I just, like there's just not like has to be six to eight other guys around me who are like want it just as bad, right? To like go and really do that. So, um, I remember when I was pitting for all these teams, Tim Brusselback saw me and he's like, "Dude, why don't you just kind of like move to the West Coast?" And he like just like kind of like half jokingly like said that. And I was like, I am going to come visit. Anyway, so after that 48 hours of me, like, not sleeping, being, like, fucked up about it, um, I was like, fuck it. I booked my ticket to California, and I went out there for two weeks. And I was like, if this goes well, and I like it here, I'm moving, right? And their pro team was kind of, like, looking, like, DMG at the time was like, yeah, yeah, if you move, like, we'll, we'll put you on the pro team for sure. So, sure enough, I fucking... Move all my shit. I, I come home after that trip. I switch my schooling to online. I sell my car, buy a minivan. I cancel my lease. I end my gym membership. And I drive all the way from Toronto, Ontario to Sacramento. I meet up with Joe Barrett in Buffalo. And he ends up helping me out and driving uh, a lot of, of the way as well. Mind you, he did the majority of the drive with his fucking knee while he was like texting on his phone. Oh my god! <laughs> it was like, I'm like Joe. Everything I own is in this van. He's like, "Don't worry about it. I'm a professional multitasker." I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> sure enough, he got us there. He got, he got us there safe. But I swear, there was a good ten hours he drove where he was just on his phone driving with his knee. It was fucked. Um, anyways, but I get over to uh, to Sacramento, and uh, <clears throat> Dave's like, "You're gonna play D two, and you're gonna help this team be good, right?" playing in those lower divisions kind of like it teaches you to be the dude right to be the guy to go like win games when it's when it's necessary so i was like all right so i rose to the occasion and um the first event we're playing division two i think it's chicago and i take the team to the finals and we play cp raiders which is the team that i won the first event with we lose in overtime because one of my teammates Shoots three guys and starts dancing down the sideline because he thinks he just won a three-on-one. But there's a fourth guy, and he runs out of the snake, and he hits the buzzer. Mm. While my teammate is celebrating dancing down the side. So I lost a paintball tournament in a race because my teammate was dancing. Yeah, so like, I, like at this point, I'm so exhausted from the tournament. Like, I didn't even have energy to be upset. I was just like... Okay. <laughs> it's like Jeez. fuck. That's you know? brutal. Like, That's like how to go from golden barrel to cut in like five seconds. Jeez. Oh my god. So yeah, anyways, obviously like dude will probably never live that down. And like it it's whatever. Like I see him now and we like laugh about it. But um anyways, so uh the next event, um I can't remember if I played two events with them or or just one. Oh, yeah, there was just one because this is like 
the fifth team that I'm playing with at this season. So DMG semi-pro going into World Cup <clears throat> uh, only has like five guys. So they pick me up off the, off the D2 team, so they have six. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. We go through Cup, we go like two and two. We don't make it on. Whole off season, I'm like, I'm grinding. I'm going to play for the pro team. You know, like, that was the goal. Like, I should be already have been playing for the pro team is how I feel. And uh, <clears throat> they pick up two other guys over me uh, who had been in the system longer. They pick up uh, George McLean and um, Debo, Dylan Bounds. Wait, am I saying that right? Boyam, Dylan Boyam. Boyam, yeah. Bounds. <laughs> um, Dylan Boyam, Debo. And um, so these guys go on, and they're going to play uh, pro with the team in, tw- I guess it's 20, yeah, it's 2019. Mm-hmm. So I, I end up playing uh, the whole season in semi-pro with, uh, with, the, with the semi-pro team. Um, and again, a new team, right? Like, I don't know if you, if you caught that, but in 2018, every single event, that I played every national event was with a different squad. Mm-hmm. So anyways, something that's nice about 2019 is that it's the same squad, right? Like all the way through, like at least the core of the team. Um, and we make top four every event, which is kind of weird and surprising because we're playing against like mutinies in our division. Like they just got second in the series to aftermath. Like we got diesel in our division. Like anyways, so we make top four every event. Um, and then we had this, uh, yeah, anyway, so I end up facing off against, like, Mark Johnson, like, three different times over the season. And at the end of the season, he was like, him and Clint, like, approached me, and they're like, hey, like, come join us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, come play pro. You know, like, we got this deal out in, in Texas. It's going to be like this and this. And I was like, damn, that's pretty sweet. But a part of me was like, I moved here to play with DMG, right? So I'm like... I kind of already know at this point, like, I'm going to go to Texas. Like, the deal is just, like, too good to pass up. And and even if I played pro for DMG, like, the deal to go to Diesel is just so much better. So, but in my head, I'm like, I have to see this through. So I go to the third tryout now, essentially, for, for DMG. And they, again, pick up two other people over me. So I'm like, it's all right. You know, they're having their big meeting and stuff. And I'm like, hey, listen, guys. Um... I'm going to leave. I'm going to go play for Diesel. You know, like, they just, they offer me this great deal. Um, I'm going to move. And, you know, like, it kind of sucked because I, like, built a lot of, like, relationships out in in, uh, Sacramento, and I really, like, love a lot of amazing people out there. But uh, I just needed to do that for me, right? And so uh, I moved to Texas, and the first team we play in the pro division in 2020 was Diesel, or was uh, DMG, and we mercy ruled them. So that felt good. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> then I blew my knee out in the next match, and then COVID hit, and I didn't. nobody played any paintball for months, and then World Cup happened. I mean, there was also, don't yeah, forget, there was the that ultimate like, nice shootout thing. That was fun. Of those, uh, those couple years where I wasn't playing pro. And then uh, now, now you've kind of been consistent, except for the injury ever since. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I did hurt my knee uh, prior to Florida um, last year. I was like, 
one week out from the event and I like tore my MPFL. Fucking bullshit. Um, but you know, got through it, came back. I feel stronger than ever, so that's cool. That's good. Uh, good thing we have that insurance now, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that was actually something I forfeited as a Canadian coming down here. <laughs> it was sweet to have health insurance back there, but like, you know, you fuck up your knee, you're like, okay, cool. I need to sell some gear. <laughs> like, yeah, for I real. need to sell some paintball equipment right now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of brutal down here in the States. Yeah. So I was really uh, lucky that I didn't need surgery. I just needed to pay for PT and X-rays and stuff. So it was uh, even then, though, that ain't that ain't cheap. I haven't gone through that all last year. It ain't cheap. Was it for your back? Yeah, it's for uh, disc herniation, unfortunately. So was many many weeks of PT and several X-rays, CT scan, couple injections, you know, things like that. So. Uh, yeah, good to see that your, uh, you know, your journey kind of ended up how it was supposed to. Now, I mean, look at you now, you're for, you're playing for infamous, which is, you know, definitely a well-respected storied organization, uh, for many years in paintball and yeah, good to see you, uh, you know, playing on the field now more and more with them. So, uh, this next question, which I know you talked a lot about, like kind of your, your, climb and what like the details of what exactly did that involve as far as like the commitment the grind like what exactly are you doing to put in the work so along with that theme this question is brought to us by paintball kumite which is colt roberts training regimen message at paintball kumite on instagram to join a class mention the show for a free one hour session so for anyone who's in the midst of their own personal climb to pro what advice would you give them And then just to help kind of guide that question, uh, especially as it relates to either the amount of work required, um, like like even as specific as like how many hours a week or how many days a week are you going to drill? Um, And even let's talk a little bit about how much traveling to play affected your trajectory. Oh my God. Um, Massive sacrifice massive like (laughs) um the the amount of of weekends and time away from my family and just just overall like the the time commitment the mental tenacity that you need to like actually do it because like you're it's not gonna be sunshine and rainbows like everybody out there that you're playing wants to take it from you like nobody's like, oh, I'll give this guy a win. That'll be cool. Like, no, <laughs> like over my cold dead body, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So like, it's you, the amount of like mental tenacity and grit that you really have to have to like do it, and like almost man, like the amount of times that I've just been like, am I crazy? You know, like am, am I crazy that I'm like doing this? You know, like. It's okay now, right? Like, it's like, oh, sweet. Yeah, it worked out. Cool. I got the fucking pro DNA banner behind me and playing with Infamous. It's, it's fine now. But holy shit, dude. When I moved to another country and I didn't get on that pro team, some uh, some hard looks in the mirror, dude. You, you got to do some serious, like, soul searching and figure out if it's it's really going to be for you, right? Because, like, it's, it's not for everyone. There's a reason that there's only, like, 200 pros. And... 
within that 200 pros, there's another reason that there's only like a certain section of those that have been there and stay, right? People come up and go out of pro like a lot, but there's like a, a select group that stay. So it, it's really not, it's not for everyone, you know? Um, I think one of the, the coolest things that I ever heard somebody say that like really actually motivated me was back when um, <clears throat> Grayson Goff had started BKI, mm-hmm. right? And one of the, he wrote an article and the article said something along the lines of like, he won't do it. He won't. You can't. Right. It was like along those lines. And, it, and at the end, it was like he kind of wanted somebody to prove him wrong. Right. And honestly, like, I feel like it's a pretty good thing to say to a lot of people. It's like, you won't do it. Cool. Uh, oh, you did it once. Did you stay? <laughs> you know, like, it, it's not for everyone. Right. Like, and I'm not trying to be discouraging, but it's like the, um, the sheer amount of time that you're going to have to put in to do this. Like, you kind of almost have to go all in to to really do it or you got to live in like one of the best regions in the world and have it be like in your backyard right there there's certain players that are like man they're like a product of their environment like there were so many um people that i met at capital edge and they just like climbed through the ranks but like like at their local field but the best team at their local field was impact so like Mm -hmm. As they climb through the ranks of their local field, eventually they're just like, holy shit, this guy's like one of the best in the world now, right? But it's just because of like, he's a product of his environment. You know, um, same thing happens in Texas, right? There's tons of really great players. There's people who got, get, end up getting picked up out of D4 to go play like pro, you know? Like I, I swear Ryan Hall came, like, came out of D4 to like go play for AC Dallas. So. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's important that long story short for that question is have grit. It's important to put like truly put into perspective and not just like through, oh, we're going to use the 10,000 hours thing. Like for most people, they don't have a frame of reference as to like, what does that truly mean as far as time commitment? Like you're constantly drilling at the field. Let's say like, in addition to playing Saturday, Sunday, you're going to the field like one or more weeknights just to go shoot at cones or metal cones. plates. Yep. Um, <laughs> you better and, like the sound of that thing, dude. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, holy shit. Yeah, they, that's, that's again what I mean about the, the time commitment. It's not just your weekends. It's like, you know, uh, your Tuesday and your Thursday, or maybe it's your Monday and your Wednesday, right? Like, I, I remember I was around Heat, um, and this is when Jason Trosen was actually coaching them. Now J-Tro, like, runs the NXL. He's, like, the commissioner. Um, and I remember him telling, like, looking these guys in the face, like, top pros, and being like, you need to be playing four days a week. Like, he's telling these guys this. He's like, you should be playing four days a week. If you're not, other guys are. And then, and then that's also crazy because it's like, Try telling that to, like, somebody who's coming up, right? It's like, oh, hey, like, you know, play four days a week. Maybe. Maybe you'll make it. Four days a week? Maybe. I mean, not to mention, <laughs> like, there's, like, let alone the it's time. Crazy. Yeah, let alone the time. Yeah. There's also the financial commitment there, which, like, let's say you're shooting two cases on Saturday, two cases on Sunday, 
or and then like you're like you're splitting a case between your two weeknights like that's that's five cases per week that you're shooting which that can be you know let's say you're getting a like even if you're getting a little bit of financial help whether it's through a like your local field is giving you like a frequent flyer miles or whatever that's still like 200 plus dollars a week that you're spending on paint alone just to drill and practice let alone the events themselves the travel costs the paint at events the entries and you know the equipment and all that like that is a significant time investment that's a significant financial investment for those that are like truly truly trying to play as one of the 200 players in the professional division absolutely and one thing i will say for people who are like trying to make that climb is um this was something that i did and it helped a lot because yes paint is expensive um but it it again it comes down to how how badly you want it right like you can you can use less paint and do more physical stuff and like drills that are like less pain oriented. But the thing that I want to like the, the nugget of knowledge is go around to all the pits in, in your staging area or whatever. There's going to be several bags that people just throw away. that have got like five to 15 paintballs. Bro, you pick up enough of those bags, you have some pots. Once you have some pots, you can do some snap shooting. So. Oh yeah. And like one of my biggest pet peeves uh is let's like at the end of practice you've got players that'll just shoot their hopper into the ground before they like take their gun apart and stuff and i'm like that full hopper (laughs) is like 200 to 250 paintballs that's 200 to 250 reps right there of snap shooting yeah totally that you just shot into the ground and like just min maxing things like that can make a huge difference over the course of a year or multiple years like you and it's it's incredible like how much use of your time and your resources that you can make or that you might even like not be doing as efficiently as you could yeah i don't know that that's just something i think that could help some people right and then it's like kind of a way that you get like some free paint for sure and really useful is like go and when, when you go to, like, an NXL or a national tournament, um, pit for teams that can't bring their paint home. Like, they're, like, flying or whatever. You'll get a lot of paint, and you'll build some good connections. It's it's worth it. You, you end up getting, like, if you pit for a team, man, there's been times I walk away with, like, 12 cases of free paint for, for a match, right? Like, if they're getting rid of all of it, like, because they have, like, a good deal or they want to shoot fresh paint every, every match. Mm. Um you can get a lot of really good quality paint for free. So, Oh, yeah. I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Baltimore Revo. We had that uh, connection with them. Like we, I think we were pitting for X-Factor at the last NXL Dallas event, and Revo happened to be in the split deck. And like we were, we had literally like our full line there, like 10 dudes pitting for X factor. And so I think we did a few things for Revo as well, either filling pods or wiping or whatever. And they gave us their paint for that match. Like stuff was, and they were really cool about it. And also another pro tip that I'll, I'll throw in for free. Whenever you go to events, buy just like a big, like value size, like box of gallon size Ziploc bags. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah do sure. that and then at like when your day is done 
put your pot, your full pods, your hoppers, dump them into those Ziploc bags, a case of paint, like each gallon size bag will hold just under half a case. So I'm just going to throw that out there and that's your practice paint for the next couple of weeks. (laughs) Yeah, definitely a good one to have for people. Yeah, for sure. So this next question, I'm actually going to run to the restroom while you're answering this and I'll be back as quick as I can. So I'm going to set you up with this. Uh, So looking at to when you joined diesel, you started not only competing in, you know, with them in the NXL, you also started jumping into the mechanical formats, the ICC and the ICPL events with the AC empire, AC powerhouse teams. So how has that experience been competing in those mechanical formats? And I'll be right back. Yeah, for sure. Actually, that was like a really cool thing that, uh, greg got me to do because i had never really like played mechanical paintball prior to that but um he uh he really introduced me to that whole scene playing 10 man five man hyperball mounds like i'd kind of run around the woods a little bit but not like playing a tournament like that um and yeah i mean i i think that playing Playing mechanical paintball and 10-man like that is really good for your communication. I know that it seems a little odd, but it it forces you to, like, break down uh, what's happening and be, like, calm. Especially because it kind of gives you, like, a, a big window of time. So you can be like, uh, the mound over there by the 30 on the right side. Like, you know, like, you it's, like, really, like, describe stuff. Like, you can, like, be like, oh, this and that, but... It's, uh, the comms are really huge, especially because you're solving, like, a bigger puzzle when you're out there. It's not just five people, it's ten, right? And how many bodies you've shot and et cetera. Um, and it's also just, like, a good way to get back to, like, like, the roots of paintball. And I feel like that has a lot of, like, I don't know. I feel like it has value to paintball enthusiasts. Like, there's going to be a lot of people who go and play hyperball or mounds or whatever and they're like ah fuck this shit this is stupid i got shot from behind my bunker right but like you know you win some games out there and you kind of like see the value or like you know you shoot somebody through a bunker or over a mound and you're like that was kind of cool <laughs> right so like i feel like it it's cool to like get back to the roots because it gives you a greater appreciation for where the game is at now yeah and i know there's so many players that have gotten in let's say the last five years, like five years is somewhat of a long time being in tournament Pample consistently, but that's just 2018. There's so much more history that has happened before then. Like 2018 is like, if, if you think about five years of being in tournament paintball, 2018 is after impacts massive run that they had. So these players wouldn't even know about like how dominant the Edmonton Impact name was. And uh, I had the great honor of appearing on uh, Fred Schultz's uh, podcast that he does every week. And I think it's actually happening while we're filming this one as well. And uh, it was cool because they, you know, they brought... Uh, Chris Rangel and uh, Jeff Munoz on to talk about the Bunkerfest event that was at, at the time it was like right about to happen. It was like the week of Bunkerfest. And they brought me on just to talk about like as a customer for the uh, the one that was in Round Rock and then the one over in Louisiana, just to like talk about, hey, as the customer, what was our experience with it? 
and I was telling some like pro players, I was like, Hey, I got this huge honor of being on Fred Schultz. Like come check it out. And Ryan, like Ryan brand was like, Oh, there's some legendary names like Bud Orr, uh, also on that show. And then like even some pros like Colt Roberts was like, who's that? And it, it's <laughs> insane to me. Like just how much history there is in the game that, either hasn't been preserved for whatever reason, but like a lot of it seems to have been lost and it's like, even, even just doing the podcast, I feel like it's also kind of a bit of like a historian role where we're preserving some of those stories and I, you know, passing on the knowledge and the lessons to the current player base. For sure, dude. And like, man, just, yeah. Ten Man's a lot of fun. I feel like everybody who's like a paintball enthusiast, like, should get out there and play some, just because like it's important to see where where it all started. You know, mm. I think it's neat and like kind of funny to hear uh, that you say that with like Bud Orr and and Colt. But like, I, I wonder if Bud Orr even knows who Colt Roberts is, right? So it's like maybe maybe it goes both ways. Right. Yeah, I mean, those guys are definitely not uh, young anymore. I think Bud Orr is like in his like seventies or eighties now. So, like, this it's oh, wow. definite like gap Damn, there. I didn't that. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just, I swear he made like an autococker or something. Yeah, it's it's definitely like they appeared like back in the eighties and nineties. They were like, yeah, we've got magazine issues from like nineteen ninety one that we're on the cover of, like things like that, you know. And yeah it's crazy let's see uh just looking at the chat real quick uh yeah i more guys giving you love um yeah Thanks, and then, uh, <laughs> uh alex is saying you better wash your hands young man yes sir yes sir i teach in an elementary school i'm not trying to get that bad juju on me with all the germs and all that uh so i mean i know you, you've been talking about how you you love the experience going to play these iccs and icpl events and you're actually a multiple time champion in icpl um a couple of times in the 5v5 format and now most recently the 10v10 format with uh your win just over a week ago with infamous and the pro dna uh affiliate open so how was that experience winning the most recent event in 10v10 um it was cool you know um it was probably like the most fun i've ever had like playing a paintball tournament period which was unique <laughs> like like i just yeah it was it was just a lot of fun man like the infamous guys are a great group to be around and like um a lot of laughs very very competitive team it's just a sick environment to be in um something that's a little bit weird about 10 man is that the finals are kind of like anticlimactic in a sense or were for me at least so in 10 man um you have like like this the semifinals is like nine teams playing and the the top team out of each bracket of three goes on to play in the finals so three teams go on to play in the finals round you play two games right so infamous plays the all-americans and then we play ground zero or vice versa we played ground zero and then the all-americans but and then those teams are going to play the other two teams, right? So we play our first two games. We have a, a stale game against uh, Ground Zero where it's either like one body either way. I, I think they maybe even had one more body than us. 
But then we played the All-Americans, and we, at the end, were alive with, like, four or five bodies, and we get the flag hang and pull, or pull and hang. Um, so that's, like, right there. We're, we, like, have all our points and everything, and that's, like, our last game. Like, we win, we, like, win that point against the Americans, and it's, like, okay, well, now we'll see. It's not like we're like, yeah, we won the event, fuck yeah. It's like, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens in this next game. So in the next game, if if the Amer- if the All-Americans, uh, it was basically like whoever like pulled the flag and like won the game like was going to win the tournament. And it was a stalemate. <laughs> so mm. like, it's like, it was like the most anticlimactic finish. And it's funny because it's like one of my highest placings, right? Like, so it was just like funny because it's like you're just watching it tick down and there's just still people sitting in their in their mound and you're like, oh, we're about a minute away from this, but I don't think anything's going to happen. And then sure enough, like, you know, like it, it, it ends and stale and my teammates start celebrating and stuff. And I'm like, sweet. Yeah, we won. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was like it was really anticlimactic. Um, so I, I hope to have other wins that are a little bit more climatic and like fun and exciting. Like that one was just kind of like, all right, well, we played all our games. We did our best. See how the cards fall. Yeah. That's, that's the worst. I mean, I know like the it's, Titans it's like, at Bunker really Fest. Weird, right? Yeah. Like, I mean the Titans at Bunker Fest, we were in a situation where we had to hope that two teams tied in order for us to go on. Cause we had one win, one loss, two ties in prelims. And no, I know exactly what that feeling is like. You're like hoping that nothing happens on the field. Dude. Yeah. It's weird. So I know earlier you were talking about how like the mechanical format, you it really helps with your communication aspects and really drawing that out. Uh, do you feel like players should participate in both x-ball and mechanical formats do you think that there are parts of the game like obviously the communication stuff but do you think that there are other things that players can take with them from the mechanical and the classical format to improve their x-ball yes i feel like there are so many things that like like just the craftiness and like grit and like meanness of old school paintball is like pretty sweet and like i think that that has value especially like i don't know i don't know it's almost like comparing like generations it's like you know like x-ball is like still like pretty cool and stuff but like man like you play some of these these older events and these like old men are like gritty mean motherfuckers (laughs) you know what i mean and like you play some of these events in x-ball and you're like go crush this fucking kid (laughs) like this teenager right so it's like I don't know. It. I feel like there's value in terms of like just uh, mentality and like kind of like grit, but there's also like certain things that like come from way back with ten man, like um, certain like techniques. Like one one of the ones that I think of immediately that I think would help everybody who's listening is just the aim so fucking high in ten man because the fields are huge, right? But Aiming high in general is a really like good practice to have even on an X-ball field. A lot of the times, people are aiming at people's heads, and then that paintball drops a little bit, and it maybe hits that guy in the elbow and bounces him, and that guy's still alive. But if you aimed higher, right, like maybe a foot or two above that guy's head, maybe you hit him in the hopper in the face, and he dies, right? So it's like, th- that's like one little like thing from 10-man where I'm like, yeah, aiming higher, I mean, has a huge, like, 
benefit to all paintball. Mm. Right. So that's like one little thing that I can think of. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, yeah, just looking in the chat there, uh, getting some questions in. So real quick, if y'all have any questions you want to ask Ben, get them in the chat. We're getting towards the back end of our show. So get them in and we'll go through them all before we finish. So uh, this next question is brought to us by FU Athletics. Go to thefuathletics.com and use code INTHEPITS25 for 25% off of your order. So, Ben, you've been playing for quite a long time now. Would, uh, if you had to pick one single moment that's your favorite moment in your career, what would you pick? Man, I don't know. There's a lot of really good moments. Um. A lot of really good moments. Ooh. I, th- mm. I I think some of like the international wins would probably be like some of my high points. Like there was a there was a tournament I got to be like I got to play with Breakout Spa and we were in Thailand and we beat Tim Montressor and Chad George um, to like win the finals for like it was like World Cup Asia. And I got to do that with Harrison Fry and Joe Barrett and a bunch of my other like Belgium friends from Breakout Spa. And uh, that was really awesome. You know, like I th- that was like such a fucking cool event. Like the the fields were uh, like directly across a two lane like paved high like little street. And then there was like ocean. Like it was like right on the beach. It was like the closest I could be to like Huntington Beach, right? Like that kind of closeness to the beach. It was it was incredible and uh like super hot and just tropical. And uh all the uh all the local players just treat Americans like celebrities and that was like a pretty cool experience. Um yeah, I don't know, probably probably PALS Asia World Cup like like 2018. That sounds yeah, right. That's like that's like a high that's like a high point. Um I got to win a Super 7 with Marcelo. Um, that was also pretty cool. Um, man, but, like, these are, like, small peaks. Like, so much of my overall, like, paintball experience that I enjoy is just, like, the weekends, like, that are just, like, filled with laughter and, like, good times with your friends, you know? Like, ultimately, that's, like, outside of, like, my competitive nature, the relationships is really what keeps me in the game and has kept me in the game for this long, you know? It's just... It's all the friends and people that I've met. For sure. It's like getting your photos back after a tournament. You're like, okay, I look cool in this one, this breakout one with the squad looks dope. We all got our guns up at the same time. That looks cool. But it's like the, the really the great photos are the ones that are taken either in the pits or like between matches like the candids. You know, those are the best ones. Yeah, or the other blurry nights after. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, what's also interesting is that the, both you and several other players that I've asked this question about their favorite moment in their careers, like all of them, have given a nod to going to play overseas. Seems like such oh, wow. a like Sick. huge thing. Like you're thinking, like okay, traveling is awesome, but like, you're traveling to play paintball. Like who gets yeah. to do that? Yeah, it's pretty cool, and you get to do it with your friends. I remember, uh, I remember Roy Richard said this and like, uh, uh, it was like soldiers of misfortune. It's like a dirter movie from like mm, 
2000s, mid-2000s, and he said, like, I'm not making shit, I live out of a trash bag, but at least I'm traveling the world and shooting people with my friends. And I was like, that's fucking cool, sign me up. <laughs> it was like, that's sick. For sure. Yeah, so uh, now kind of looking forward uh, to uh, where you're at right now and looking to the the coming future. So this past offseason, you announced the day after World Cup that you were a free agent. Uh, do you, would you like to share any details about like how that went down exactly? Like you were definitely like the first pro player to announce your free agency. So, well, uh, was it more of like a mutual parting ways or was it just like time for a change? Um, you know, it was, uh, so it was like a week after cup, but regardless, um, yeah, I, I knew that I, I needed to, to change and to leave. Um, and you know, like I called Mark and he asked why, and I told him that I needed a change and he was like, well, where are you going? And I was like, I don't know. Cause I didn't, I didn't have a, a spot to go to yet. So, so I left the team. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll figure it out from here. I felt like it would, I felt like it was, it would be disrespectful to play for diesel and then be look and like pursuing other teams. I almost felt like I just out of respect to like Mark and Greg who had really like done a lot for me, like. I wasn't it wasn't the way that I wanted to leave with them. I would rather be like, I know that this situation is no longer for me and then figure it out, right? Versus be like, oh yeah, we're like, you know, hedging my bets or like where am I gonna go? And like I like no, like I don't want that. Um so yeah, I, I left the team and then I, I started a I was free agency and you know, some people approached me and you know, I approached some people too and ended up coming to play for infamous sweet cool man yeah i think as far as like the timing of the free agency announcement i i think i got you and rainy mixed up i think rainy was the day after cup where it was like he was a free agent yeah no, maybe he- that was that was an interesting one too but you know I'm, I'm happy for that guy i think uh i mean immediately you know with damage they're in the finals doing great so that's cool I mean, every team that Rainey's been on, he's he's found success. I mean, he comes to X Factor and they win the series. They win two events that year. Uh, obviously, he was on Impact uh, like, during their massive run. So, whenever I'm not playing against him, I love watching that guy play. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, for sure, man. So it's cool that um, Infamous. You, you know, you found a home in Infamous, and we were talking earlier, like infamous has several texas players so it was interesting that like ryan hall once you know ac that core ac dallas lineup falls apart heads over to infamous and now you're uh there as well so you're not the only uh texas player uh that's on that squad so i yeah it was, look- it was funny we uh after we won the event um there was four of us on our on the pro team that had played for ac diesel or dallas at one point actually i think all of us had played for diesel at one point because ryan hall did so it was me ryan grayson and aj trillet we have like an ac ac alumni photo <laughs> that's that's awesome i mean just look at all of those players coming out of that camp like even if they didn't necessarily find success or wins with the ac program uh they go off to other teams and they all get their you know get their wins like Matt Jackson going to impact immediately winning the golden barrel. Um, I think Ryan Hall has had some finals appearances. Uh, John Jackson. I don't, I did John Jackson win. an was he on the Ironman when they won that event? 
No, John John joined the Ironman and then retired and then went into coaching. And he got a he I think last year he got an award for like best coach at one of the mm-hmm. events. Um I mean, dude, what a what a brilliant paintball mind truly. Like, you know, like there's yeah. Dude is uh dude is underrated, not not talked about enough. Very very, very intelligent, knows his shit. He's a big reason that AC um, Dallas was as like strategic as they were. For sure. Yeah. Every one of those players, I mean, uh, even TJ Danner coming down to X factor, they've uh, he's now that he's, it seems like he's healthy again. He's definitely making big things happen for them. It's awesome oh, to see him yeah. play. Oh yeah. Fuck man. That whole thing. F- fucking poor TJ dude. That thing was so shitty. Like he was literally carrying paint to like go and get better and like slipped on a stair and like, his knee went into like a con- like cement step and just it devastated him but honestly it's it's actually just because he came back too early because AC Dallas really needed players and like cuz they they ran like six guys like the the majority of their entire like paintball i don't know career as that team was like the core playing um and so I think he just rushed back into it a little bit too soon. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been, you know, it's definitely a case of what else for that squad. And I think, I mean, they made the finals like two or three times in one season and they just like, I guess ran out of steam every time. I think they met the Russians, they met heat and I want to say they met X factor, uh, during the finals in one of the years and just, yeah, they're, they're the best paintball team to never win a tournament. For sure. And I mean, them off, you know, them all going individually to win. I mean, Brad McCurley also got a win with damage. Yeah, that's true. So I did go to damage. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, definitely uh camp well worth uh, playing for and the proof is in the pudding. So, uh, you know, looking forward to now your current team infamous uh, this past event at the sunshine state major they made sunday um you dominated legion you dominated the saints you lost close games to x factor and dynasty and prelims uh and you ended up moving on at two and two uh, before you lost in the wild card round to the hurricanes in that one zero match that you had mentioned previously so could you summarize the sun how the sunshine event went for you yeah two words fucking boring (laughs) dude like oh oh my god it was just such a slow layout you know and and like i i i understand like it's like a big like you know you gotta gotta play like hella team ball and i mean truly like hats off to the hurricanes right like super disciplined match right like i i never even played a match in my entire paintball career that is it was one nothing but like you know, I want to play some paintball. Like, <laughs> like I want to play a match. And I want to play a point. So, um, yeah, that's my quick summary. Yeah, oh, definitely a, a slower <laughs> layout compared to what we've been used to the last yeah. couple of years. And yeah. I, I mean, if you go back and watch, I was doing the episode right before that event was with uh, Let's Talk Paintball, Vince Cunningham. And we were like, you know, giving our predictions on the whole thing. And I was like, look, having watched this layout play out, because I had the uh, privilege of getting to go travel with X Factor to their scrimmage against Heat and the Bears. And 
they like i was like watching this and i was like look points are going like eight nine minutes in practice like how do you think these points are gonna go at the event and it's gonna it's gonna go way slower so i was like okay these teams that have the newer rosters are probably gonna struggle because they just haven't had that time together to really gel and it's a good prediction but I, uh but like there are, were some teams with newer rosters that like did pretty well like the bears made it pretty far right mm. yeah but the bears I, made sunday at the same time it's like their core has been playing together for so long so it's like can you right. really call it your roster i mean looking at the top 10 teams so like obviously dynasty is at the top and they had you know two new pickups but it's dynasty damage all they did was add rainy you got impact who they lost a couple players to to diesel to be fair um but like you've got such a huge experience with everybody else, and plus the coaching staff, and then like NYX was kind of a surprising one making top four, although I I thought they had a a somewhat favorable playoff draw, in my opinion. Like when you, uh, yeah, I mean, what a hats off to them. I think that that's their best performance yet, and I know those guys are working really hard, and it's a uh, it's kind of a weird deal to see like them do as well with Harris being gone and also it's weird to see russian legion doing so badly with harris like that's strange because like i don't really feel like i i mean i'm not part of that organization but it's just like a weird thing to observe you know what i mean like is is one guy really doing all that i i mean i think the russians have got other things going on uh, i agree to be fair oh man home countries in war so it's like that's probably weighing heavy on some people yeah that um but like at the same time i think that those other players on nyx have definitely stepped up i think they took dynasty to overtime in the semifinals if i remember correctly like it was a super close game yeah i think you're right it that that was the point with um marcelo where he ran through a shot like three of them right? yes yeah marcelo he did that in the semis and then he did it again in the finals Wow. Yeah, Marcelo had himself a tournament for sure. So yeah, going into this next one, speaking of Dynasty, you're in a bracket with them. You're in a bracket with yeah. Heat, Notorious, and Uprising. So y'all have one of the tougher brackets, I'd say, in the event. Um, is there anything that Infamous has been focusing on or has set themselves like for a goal to improve going into this next event here in Texas? You know, um, with so i'm speaking as like one of the new guys right like the team has been together for a really long time the core of the team has been together for like uh six plus years ish you know like really long time um the main thing with the newer people coming in right because the teams had like the team had a three-person turnover so it's almost like 30% 30% of their team. Um, it's really just like teamwork and chemistry. You know, those are things that we're going to continue to like be working on because we really believe that those are some of the keys to success. Right. You know, um, with me, Joe and uh, Sam, all like newer players, just, just getting in and mixing in with the, uh, the core is, is really important. And uh, you know, just overall um, improving our teamwork um, going into the next event. For sure. I mean, y'all have got 
talent for sure. You've got the talent to do it. And the pro bracket just in general is looking more and more difficult every year. It's gone from like a top eight or nine and a bottom 11 to like a top 18 and a bottom two, as far as like who can take games off of each other. Like the bottom two teams are probably not going to take many games this season. And unfortunately that does look like the saints this year. Uh, but that's just how tough it is now in the pro bracket. Like you've got NYX making a top four, whereas last season they were at world cup fighting to not get relegated. relegated. Yeah. That's how like that team turned it around from being on the edge of relegation to being a top four team in over the course of the off season. Like you've got Red Legion taking nineteenth place. Yes, yeah, weird. I don't know. No, no coaches. I guess I don't. I don't know. Something like that. I don't know, dude. But it's like it's it's a very interesting place that we're finding ourselves in right now. Like Revo took fifteenth. The Ironman took 17th. Aftermath also didn't make Sunday. Diesel, with their stacked roster, didn't make Sunday. And it's like, man, it's just it's just going to get more and more difficult throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Totally. I, I mean, yeah, we're, we'll see how it all shakes out. You know, first event, uh, you know, it's... It's hard to say because there's so many like new teams forming, right? Like I, I mean, that could be a reason that Diesel struggled is just because of like, as you as you were saying, like you know, teams with newer rosters. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of mixing that's going on there, right? Like they're they're really kind of fine trying to figure out their footing. Um, but yeah, um, the Russian Legion thing. I don't know. There's bigger things going on behind the scenes. I, I don't really know enough about it. But it's surprising because I've followed that team since like 06. I don't think they've ever had a performance that bad. Oh, definitely not. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they'll be back with a vengeance. For sure. Yeah, I think as far as like these top teams not having a great first event, I think a little bit was like some of the brackets were really heavy. That first event, like... Bracket A was Dynasty, X Factor, Legion, Infamous, and the Saints. That was your bracket at the first event. Like, that's tough. Bracket B was Heat, Revo, Hurricanes, Diesel, Iron Men. That's tough. Whereas, like, this event, it seems like it's a little bit more balanced out, but, like, bracket B is still tough. You still got, like, Damage, Hurricanes, Diesel, Revo, Legion. That is a brutal bracket if you're just going by, like... Uh, like name brand alone. No, you're totally right. No, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, at this at this next one, I think we got we got Heat Dynasty, Notorious, and Uprising. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not an easy bracket by any means. No, you know, and Notorious is only going to get better as the season goes on. Uprising historically is kind of like a wild card you don't really know the uprising you're gonna get but also i feel like you could probably say some more things about like infamous just as a general organization like you know sometimes they're really good sometimes they're bad mm-hmm. I, uh, I, dynasty obviously always going to be like the hardest game but i mean i i like that we have them because like <clears throat> win or lose we're gonna learn something from that match you know, playing those guys like they, you just get better. Period. You know, just 
can't. It's just an effect. Right. Yeah. And I, and it's, there's also something about having that top team in your bracket and you're like, all right, that like, we know on paper what the expected result is. And it also, it almost like for those teams, like on paper, let's say that you're expected to have the edge over. You're like, all right, we know because we have dynasty in our bracket, we have to handle our business everywhere else. Yep. That's true. That's a really good point. The other thing too, is like, you know, you with, with heat and dynasty being in our bracket, we were kind of in the same situation with X factor and, and dynasty at the last event. Um, you kind of get this oper- this rare opportunity where you could knock out a great team before Sunday, mm-hmm. which is cool. It's exciting. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's going to be, you definitely have your work cut out for you. Like even notorious yeah. had three, I think, I think they had three games go to overtime in the first event. Right. They're just, they're right there, man. You know, like they're, they're a good team. For sure. Yeah. And I'm excited to see like the work that they've been putting in and how that's going to pay off for what is like, it could not be closer to a home field advantage for notorious. I mean, it's probably like a 20 minute drive. If that between outlaw paintball park, their home field and where the event's going to be in round rock, like it might as well be at outlaw, honestly, for them. It's, it's as close of a home field as you're going to get sweet <laughs> it's even better <laughs> for sure so i uh, this next question ben is something that i ask everybody that comes on the show and it helps oh. me i uh, like kind of do research as to who else i need to get on the show also gives you a chance to uh you know give some recognition and shout outs out there so this question is brought to us by get that shot Message get that underscore shot on Facebook or Instagram for media coverage at BunkerFest or NXL, especially if you're going to need NXL coverage for this upcoming one because he's going to be there. He'll be at the full series for BunkerFest. He'll be at the full series for NXL. So, Ben, are there any Texas-based teams, players, brands, projects, anything that has caught your attention lately? So who do you think in Texas paintball deserves more recognition for what they're doing? Um, you know, I feel like Paintball Fit's doing a lot of really good stuff. Um, recently they brought up, like, two players from, like, uh, like, lower divisional, right? Mm. Um, Caleb Baisley and, uh, Jacob Johnson, aka... Yeah, they brought the Amish boy. Yeah. No, um, both are great dudes. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I'm stoked for them to, uh, have already got their first semi-pro win. Um, I feel like these are some guys who deserve recognition. I, I say paintball fit though, because they gave these guys the shot and it worked out, right? Um, so I think that that's really cool. Uh, you know, the the Mac X ball tournaments are freaking so sweet, um, so much fun. That's another thing that's like really cool and like deserves some recognition because uh, you can play that tournament if you don't even have a team. You can just sign up and they'll draft you onto a team which is pretty neat um and you get to shoot a mechanical gun on an x-ball field which is sweet (laughs) it's it's really fun um and then man who are some other people uh for a little bit um i i think he's still doing this but mark johnson started a uh a paintball scholarship so this could be good for any any uh 
I don't know, students listening. But um, it's called I Am Paintball, and it's like a, a non-for-profit. And uh, what I remember it being was like uh, you you write an essay or something, and and then you could like win the scholarship. But that's pretty cool. I, I just felt like that was something that like deserves recognition because that's like uh, I don't know, kind of like paying it forward to like the next generation. I think that's like pretty sweet that he like did that. I really hope that he's still doing that. I think that's sick. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I just looked that up. Yeah, that's I mean, kind of, that's kind of off the top of my head, like what would uh <laughs> Yeah, that I've never heard of that scholarship before. That's something really cool. I didn't realize it's something that he did. I hope that uh, yeah. it's it's here I, for this year I as well. Am paintball. Yeah, I see the the posting for last spring. Hopefully he's doing it again this year. That's really cool. We'll see. Um I'm gonna practice those guys before um before Dallas. Or I mean before Round Rock. So uh I'll ask him for sure. All right. Uh, so let's get to our questions in the chat here before we close up. Um, so any, any, any questions guys? Oh yeah, we got a few. Um, let's see. Uh, from Chris Isaacs, uh, being that you have played for so many divisional and pro teams over the, uh, recent years of today's game, what advice would you give to players when they are joining a new organization or team? Uh, don't say too much. Listen and understand the way that the organization works. You know, uh, be a good teammate, right? You know, if you have an opportunity to like kind of lend a hand, do it. If you can grab a couple extra gear bags, do it. Don't say too much. Just, you know, like, in time, obviously, as the team, like, warms up to you, like, it's cool. But, like, just don't be too opinionated. Keep your mouth shut. Just go with the flow. That's my advice. Shout out. Uh, the one person who did exactly that, and they got a lot of, like, mentions on how great of a teammate they were, was actually a guest that I had earlier on in the show, like probably 30 episodes ago or something like that. His name is Christian Woodmancy. Uh, oh, who, Christian, yeah. yeah, he briefly That's played. That ass little dude. I love that guy. Yeah. Briefly played with, uh, with diesel, I think, or was on their roster, right? For an event or two. Uh, AC Dallas. Yeah. Racy Dallas. That's right. During, uh, when the fit guys were on that. Yeah. Uh, he, he was, you know, talking to the other fit guys, and especially the Lucas, they all loved having him on the roster. You thought it was an excellent teammate. So shout out Christian. Hope you're doing well up in the Northeast. Uh, so another he's question with uh, NRG now and stuff. Doing yeah. He's been on energy for, I think at least a full season. Maybe he's going on his second or third season yeah, now think, with them. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so next question uh, is from Chris Harrison. He says, Ben, I know you coach a D4 team. Do you like playing more or coaching more? Playing, for sure. Co- coaching has value um, because, like, I feel like when you teach things, you learn them better, right? It also, like, kind of makes you take concepts that are sometimes complex and really simplify it, um, which is an important practice, I feel. For sure. Uh, being able to – and, I mean, it's just another form of communication, right? Um, like the, the Titans have a huge program. We've got players from D3 down to like beginner and being able to take an idea, isolate it into its base form, whether that's like 
base movement mechanics or simple ideas like if this then that uh, and just eliminating all the fluff it just makes you like much more efficient and uh, and honestly those newer guys can also teach you things in a way that you maybe never thought to think of it oh yeah for sure I, I've gained a lot of value just like you know talking like coaching these guys and observing them but also made some great friends so very grateful for that uh this next thing from uh from alex says just want to share how awesome and genuine ben is been super encouraging in my weight loss health journey he gave me a hug not so long ago and lost his mind that his arms went all the way around me and he told me <laughs> that if i keep losing weight and fit in a 2xl he'd give me one of his jerseys so gr- still grinding for that yep still on i'm just for waiting sure. dude <laughs> oh, he's, give it he'll to get you, there so. Yeah, yeah, we we took a photo uh, at Bunker Fest, and you know he he was he was flexing a little bit, he was showing off his progress. Oh yeah, dude, he's he's uh, busting his ass in those fucking boxing classes, so he's he's working hard. Oh yeah, can't wait to see it. All right, and then just one more shout out from Chris Harrison. He says shout out to Ben for what he does for the youth kids. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Try and help out and be a good guy. All right. Uh, so Ben, uh, lastly brought to us by compete from Jell Stewart, message them on Facebook or Instagram and mention in the pits for 10% off of your order of soft goods. So Ben, uh, thank you for your time. Do you have any last shout outs or things you'd like to say before we sign off? Um, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to like some of my sponsors. Um, you know, uh, obviously pro DNA, um, planet eclipse, uh, I'd also want to say, like, shout out to Mason's. If you're uh, trying to sell a paintball gun, hit them up. Tell them I sent you. Um, and then, man, yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I got my bases covered there. But the one on your shirt, are you sponsored by that? Oh yeah, Powerhouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah obviously, you know, I was repping the, the whole event uh, or whole interview. Um, yeah, I love those guys. They're awesome, man. Always, always looking after me um yeah great customer service um man you know i i should have just had like a my jersey out or something i could have read everything off uh first form um yeah sorry i'm not more professional about this but yeah, yeah, do you have any more like uh (laughs) consumables or dietary things that uh you're sponsored with oh um yeah, there's this company called uh, Lumi Labs, um, and they make uh, Delta 9 gummies, and they're really, really good. They're super delicious. Uh, you can order them in every state. They're totally legal, but they have, like, um, a, because it's Delta 9 THC, it's, like, very similar to THC. Um, but my friend started this company, and uh, they're really good, and you should check them out. Wait, All right, let me – I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to look up – infamous paintball on instagram make sure we didn't miss anybody as far as the sponsorships go um i think we got just about everybody there uh so yeah uh everybody thank you so much for tuning in be sure to go follow ben that's at ben underscore challenger on instagram what other guests would y'all like to see on the show leave a comment down below while you're at it hit that subscribe button the show goes live weekly here on youtube.com slash at in the pits paintball podcast 
Recordings are posted to YouTube, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify the next day. Shout out to my partners and sponsors, FU Athletics, Get That Shot, Paintball Kumite, Compete, and Hustletown Paintball. We will see you guys next week on Thursday the 20th for episode 44, where we will have the TKO, I think it's Valetudo is how you pronounce it line they are the youth division winners from the first bunker fest event we're gonna have the entire line all five kids and their coach as well so that's that's gonna (laughs) be be, uh, yeah interesting setup to say the least but uh you know we're gonna we're gonna get it done so we'll see y'all then uh ben thank you so much for your time no problem thanks for having me guys i hope you enjoyed it